This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, I ask that you speak through. Give to your people what they need now here. Lord, that we would be challenged, that we'd be stretched, that we would be encouraged, I pray. I humble myself before you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Well, we're continuing. Let's see how far we get here in the series on the blessing of the Lord. And we've been talking about pruning and it's amazing. I'm getting these texts and, and people telling me stories about pruning. And I love that when that happens. That means, okay, at least I'm not on Pluto somewhere. Amen. <laughs> okay. It's speaking to some people. And so uh, maybe you're visiting here this morning and you can get all of this teaching online or download these podcasts free uh, at, at Harvest Alexandria. So this is the sixth week in our series, The Blessing of the Lord. And we're subtitled it, When Pruning is Necessary. We're just kind of continuing from last week. And this is the story that we've touched on each week in Luke 24. Uh, the background quickly is two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus already rose from the dead. And so he meets up with them and they didn't recognize it was the Christ. And it says, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and he gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they knew him. So they, they dialogued for a little bit. Jesus spoke to, into their life and then they welcomed them into their, uh, Jesus into their, their home. And then Jesus sits down at the head of the table, which is strange. You wouldn't do that. You know, that's for the, the person that, you know, owns the house and he sits there and he breaks this bread. And we've been saying this each week uh, that as Jesus took the bread, he blessed it. Someone shout, he blessed it. And the next thing he does is what? He breaks it. And we've been talking about how that God, when he blesses us in our lives, there's a breaking process. It's not for our destruction. It's not an evil thing. It is actually a good thing. And that brings us into the principle that God breaks what he blesses for our good in this principle of pruning, of pruning. And uh, how many of you know that pruning, if you do it properly, it can be a drastic thing. Well, the scripture says in John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you'll produce lots of fruit. Well, how many want to produce lots of fruit? I don't know about you, but I do. Amen for God's kingdom and my life and want to be one a legacy that you know we serve the purposes of God in our generation and and go home. Amen. How many know earth is not our home? Okay? Don't get too attached to this place cuz all of us are leaving in one way. <laughs> you got to die to get out of here. So, just thought I'd welcome you to church this morning, let you know that. So, but you cannot do anything without me. What that means is being disconnected from the vine, Christ. And, you know, and I said earlier that there's been this teaching in the body of Christ, albeit true, but we've, oh, whatever, something about Christians. We go from one extreme to the next. Isn't that, you go one ditch to the next and, and they start chasing the fruit. And how many of you know the fruit is there because of the vine? You're just a branch. So if you want to produce fruit, you got to stay connected to the vine. All right. And so, uh, how does he break us? He uses principle of pruning and we can't do anything. You know, let's give you a definition of pruning. Pruning really is a process of proactive endings. 
if I could say it that way. It's a function of cutting away to reduce the extent or reach of something by taking away unwanted or unnecessary parts. Now, I ask uh, this question, does God prune even faithful Christians? Because there was a time in my life I just felt, Lord, I'm going to do everything right. And if I just do everything right, then uh, I'm only going to receive blessing, 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 blessing. <clears throat> well, the truth of the matter is, is that's good to be obedient. You see, there's a thing between God will prune those that are even obedient, and he corrects those that are disobedient. Thank God for his correction. But I'd rather be in the pruning process than in the correction process. Because the correction, correction process means there's something wrong in my heart. Can I get an amen? All right. So all, you know, he, he does, he works both of them. And so John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 and 2. 1 and 2. Jesus said, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. Key point there. The heavenly father, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. And we won't get into some of the details that we've talked about over the last few weeks. And see, when pruning is not happening, average or worse will occur in your life. Should I say that again? When pruning is not happening, average or something even worse will occur. And see, here's the thing. You don't have to be doing something wrong to be pruned. You actually do something right. And God says, I want more fruit come out of their life. Why? Because he's conforming us to his image. How many of you know that you're not totally like Jesus right now? Amen. But he's, he's, he's conforming us. So uh, very quickly, we talked about all of these points. How does God prune us his word? Relationships with others? Yes. Some of you have been through difficult circumstances, situations that crushed your heart. God can use what the enemy meant for evil for good. Did you hear that? See, the enemy is out there to kill, steal, and destroy. God will say, okay, what the enemy's done, I'm going to turn, because I'm God. I can turn that thing around like nobody else can, he says. And I'll turn around for good. Uh, he uses conviction. We talked about steps of faith. And, and I just want to kind of end off here with circumstances. And we talked about this last week, how about God uses practical and spiritual situations, how he prunes us. Um, I mentioned this about our employment. How many know God cares about your employment and the job that you have, your vocation? You know, any gardener knows that in order to create and sustain the healthiest roses, when we use the illustration of a rose bush, pruning is essential. And so we kind of went to this, the necessity, and we ended off with this, when pruning is necessity, necessary, excuse me, when the bush produces more buds than it can sustain. And we said this last week, but I just want to interject a word here that I didn't mention. It's maybe you've never heard this is superfluous. How many ever heard that before? I looked that up and I thought, yeah, that's the right word for this. And what that actually means is unnecessary, being more than enough, non-essential. Um, some of us have superfluous things in our garages. I'm told I have too many tools in my garage. I disagree because a guy has to have his tools. Can I get an amen, men? Three ladies said amen to that. What's up with you guys? Some of you guys buy stuff and your wife don't even know. That's what it is. You, you should, you know, don't ask permission. Just apologize later. I've heard that before. Um, so most healthy rose bushes produce too many buds. And if you knew that, but that's a fact. It produces too many. And so what happens that leads to overgrowth and it drains the plant and its resources resources, excuse me. And if you leave that unchecked, most of those flowers or buds, they will survive, watch this, but they will not thrive. God wants us to thrive. 
Amen? Are you still with me? So what happens is the gardener, he's got to make that difficult decision and prune good buds in order to redirect the flow and nutrients to the best buds. And it's not an easy task for a gardener who, who loves every rose, wants every rose to flourish. And I struggle with that. I'll get into illustration in a moment of something I did, did as a kid. <clears throat> but it is necessary for the buds to bloom to their fullest potential to even take some good buds to save the rest for the, for the best. You know, our lives are very similar to, to the rose bush. We said this last week. It's filled with a lot of good things, good things in our life. We have opportunities, and commitments, endeavors, and relationships, and at times we feel overwhelmed with all of that. Here's the thing. We will always have more activities than we can reasonably sustain. Let me say that again. You will always have more activities in your life than you can reasonably sustain. And what happens is our resources are stretched and, 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 and nothing or no one is getting our full attention. And in most areas, we are just surviving. We are not thriving. And God wants us to thrive. Can you say amen? So I pose the question, what would happen if you to prune back some of the good for the sake of the best? Prune back some of the good for the sake of the best. And so we ended off with that. The second thing is, when pruning is necessary, thick branches that are not going to get well need to be pruned. And let me just, just uh, touch on this here. It is inevitable that at some point there are branches on the rose bush that are sick. They have disease and uh, sickly, and they're not able to recover. Um, any good gardener, he's gonna try, uh, they're going to try their best to nurture these branches back to health. And, 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 they, and they will use certain things. I remember the fruit trees that I had. Uh, I planted a number of them, probably a little bit overboard. I killed some of them, putting too much nitrogen on them. Do not put a cup of nitrogen on an apple tree. It will kill it. You're supposed to put a tablespoon. I learned my lesson. When I started, the leaves started dying. I went over and started pulling all the... It was too late. But, but, but there, there's some branches on there that would grow that would just be like rancid and... and I would try, I Googled, I took pictures, I sent it to the Minnesota, you know, extension there for down in southern Minnesota to help me with my trees. You know, why can't we grow healthy apple trees? They recommend a salve, and so I paint the salve on them and help for a little bit. I just thought, I gotta whack it off. It's just, it's sickly and it won't, it didn't produce. And there were so many blights, and it just was frustrating. I would spray, and, and it was like, how did these things put aluminum foil so the caterpillars don't come? And it's just this constant adversary out there, and, and there's these branches that, that, that are sickly, and you do what you can, but it's just not going to get well. Um, a very dreadful, and I, I say that, and I mean that as a kid, because it was very impacting illustration of this in the animal kingdom not the with humans but in the animal kingdom was we grew up with german shepherd uh, dogs and they were kind of like our sentry there's eight kids and they run around you shouldn't have a german shepherd in a city uh, it's kind of crazy the dog was always barking but we loved our dogs and and we had one heidi that uh she was just wonderful she would chase us on our dirt bikes and just a beautiful shepherd she had a wild streak in her. When it came time when she was heat, she would take off and then come back. And next thing you know, we had a litter of 12 or 14 puppies. We loved it as kids. I mean, but my dad was furious. 
And I remember one time he told me, he says, you better not let her out. She's in heat. So what I did, oh, this is really bad. I need to tell you. <laughs> I chained her around me and I walked the whole neighborhood. I did. And, you know, you know, the, her scent. I walked the whole neighborhood with her. And then I went back and I waited with my pellet gun. I guarantee, this is the truth. There was about 25 dogs that came to the house. And I started shooting these dogs. I didn't kill any. I didn't kill any, but she broke the chain, took off, came back the next day. 14 puppies later. <clears throat> it's true. It's true. But I would go in the doghouse, and I would go in. I was probably about 8, 12 years old, whatever it was, and, <clears throat> and I'd be there, and she had all the puppies. Initially, she growled, and I went, knock it off, and then she just knew, all right, I'm there to help out. But she would do something that was startling to me. I would go in the next day and she'd have four puppies thrown over her backside, not feeding them, deliberately getting rid of them, killing them. I went, what is this dog doing? And they started to get real scrawny. And so the fat ones I'd pull out and she only had so many things to feed, so many puppies, okay? And so the, the, the fat ones, I'd pull the fat ones out and my dad said, you just need to leave it. You just need to let it go. She knows what she's doing. It's something that dogs do. They know if they're either sickly or whatever and, and you're just thwarting that mic. Did I listen? No, I didn't listen. No dog is going to be lost. And so I kept pulling the fat ones out, throwing them over, stick the skinny ones in. Next thing you know, we have 14 puppies. <clears throat> Here's what my dad said. Okay, now that you did that, you're going to get rid of them and feed them. So I didn't mind, but, you know, they were. it was fine for a while. It was fun. But I noticed something that many of those puppies that were got, you know, thrown over, they had disease. They were sickly. It was like distemper in some of them. Some couple of them died right in my arms. I thought, what is going on here? And, 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 and so that's just in the natural about when sometimes branches that are not getting well. And in a real sense, that can happen in our lives. Let me just bring it spiritually now here. <clears throat> a lot of times we limp along with broken relationships. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> we hang on to toxic habits. We linger in commitments that deplete us physically or emotionally. And it feels at times that all of our energy is being diverted to certain parts of our life that they're not meeting our hopes or our expectations. And so essentially the season of possibility for these buds is past and it's time to get rid of them. And so a lot of times we just need to let, let it go or let them go, okay? Uh, and that's hard to let things go. That's hard for me because one word that we really like to hear and I've taught on it is the word hope. Somebody shout hope. <clears throat> How many you know when you come to church, you need to have hope and there needs to be a message of hope. Can I get an amen? But you know what? The word hopelessness is not a bad word. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? Hopelessness is not a bad word. <clears throat> I found that when I began to feel hopeless about something, a circumstance or a situation that I cannot change, it's time for me to think about that a little bit different. I mean, maybe if it's a ministry that we've started and it's done well and I lose heart in it or whatever, the foolish thing to do is keep going, keep plugging away. You know, you've heard this statement, if the horse is dead, dismount. <clears throat> Some of us just keep riding a dead horse. <clears throat> you know, and, and I hesitate to try to bring clarity what I'm saying. I just want the Holy Spirit to speak to you in the area of life where this pertains to you specifically, okay? 
So I'm not going to give you all of these illustrations on it. I just, hopelessness is not a bad thing. It's, it can be a catalyst for change for good. Okay? How many still with me? How many still love me? Say amen. <clears throat> Why? Because certain times there's things you got to let go. It's never going to change. See, the awareness of hopelessness is what finally brings people to the reality of the pruning moment. Aha. This has to go. This is not, this is draining my life. And here's the thing. Those who have the greatest difficulty, watch this. <clears throat> the greatest difficulty, abandoning things, often are those who are unable to face reality. And that's the key point right there. A lot of us, we don't want to face reality. We believe, I'm going to hang on, I'm going to hope. I, he, I know he's going to eventually follow Jesus someday. And, and I know that if I get married, I know he's not a Christian right now and he doesn't even care about church, but I know it's good to have hope. But hopelessness is not a bad thing too for a catalyst of change. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> and so what would happen if we, you know, spiritually speaking, get out our pruning shears and, and, um, and, and face reality of some things that, that, that need to be dealt with, <clears throat> dealt with in our lives and things that are toxic to us that we've allowed into our life personally that need to be cut off. Amen? Habits, things that we do <clears throat> that are destroying our lives. And the Holy Spirit is here today saying it's time to, it's time to, to let those things go. Sometimes the best thing a person can do is give up hope in what they are currently trying. Maybe it's a business or something you invested and you keep pouring money in and money it becomes a money pit. Maybe it's a relationship that's dragging you down. You know, there are relationships, God bless them, that you are to grow out of. Amen. Amen, it's the truth. And some people, that they struggle with that. Why? Because they want to be friends with everybody. I know people like that. That is just like, you, you want everyone to love you. There's no way. I mean, they didn't even love Jesus. Okay? And so I'm not saying we're walking around abrasive. I'm just saying that for stances and things that God calls you up higher, that for some people say, I'm not going there. There could be a distance. So I'm trying to share that in a life-giving way, and I hope you process all that. But there are some relationships need to be pruned. They're dead things in your life. Listen, if your friend is calling you and it's whatever night of the week and they're bringing you to go drink, to party, to smoke weed, to whatever, how many of you know that that's a dead branch in your life? Amen, Pastor Mike. Preach. It's a dead branch. It's not bringing life to you. It's got to be cut off. And the Lord is saying, yes, I'm pruning it in your life and speaking to you, but there's some things you got to get out there and start... You don't know. I've known them for so many years. We're so friends. You know, we live life together. But they're pulling you down. And next thing you know, they're going to destroy your marriage, your kids, everything. Because there is a war for your soul. Now, you hear me? There's a real devil out there. And he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And however he can do that, he will use whoever he can to come into your life to bring you down. Can I get an amen in this church? Amen? <clears throat> All right. Almost done here. So this awareness of hopelessness. <clears throat> um, Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to give up. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Time to let go. Let it go. You know, uh, <clears throat> wise people know when to quit. And here's the thing. It does not take courage to stop doing what you know is not going to work. Right? Amen. He said, yes, hope, it buys time, but it also spends it. 
And there are some things in our life that we God is calling us to come to a place, I feel. Some of you are at, at hopelessness. And, and I'm not talking about fighting for your marriage, please hear me, or fighting for your kids, please hear me. But I'm just talking about things that personally in your life that are dragging you down. And these are things that the enemy is using. So how many with me say amen? You know, if you're in a hole, the number one rule is to stop digging. Amen? I remember one kid one time was in my youth group, and you know, he, got, he, he left, and oh, he's just got in a lot of, he had a broken family. We poured into him. We did the best we could. And he went and traveled with the amusement park or whatever, like the carnival. I mean, I mean that's challenging, you know, and some of the people and how they, they live. And he, he called me one time, 2 a.m., and he was high on something, and and I'm like, where are you at? And he was somewhere in Tennessee. And I was like, oh, man, my heart just went out. And then I saw him a few years later, and he was talking with me, and then there was another minister was there. And he goes, yeah, I dug, I dug a hole, and I keep digging this hole, and, and it gets really, really dark, and I can't see. I'm like, stop digging. Get out of the hole. I keep digging, though. Some of you need to stop digging, okay, and get out, it's really bad. You know, I really need to change. I need to stop doing this. It's getting darker and darker and darker. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad you came to 9.30 a.m. service. I love you all. I really do. All right, almost done here. Uh, and the third point, dead branches that are taking up space. You know, I never really notice this until you take time and you look into a branch or a tree. There are dead things there. No leaves, nothing on them, but they're hidden. Isn't that right? You can't see them from the leaves. This is like, you look, oh, that tree's beautiful. But if you get a little bit closer, you know, that whole branch is dead. It's not producing anything. And so <clears throat> when pruning is necessary, when you get dead branches, they're taking up space. Here's the thing. The scripture says, God the Father is cutting this. We see. He's the one that goes. And we talked about that, some, some translations of that a few weeks ago. <clears throat> but if an attentive gardener, he looks closely, uh, these dead branches, they're taking up valuable space and, and they're, they're interrupting some of the flow of some of the, the branches. They're, these are lifeless portions. They're not always easy to see, but they can be ignored because you don't see them. Wither and they hide behind the beauty in the new and they hide and there's things that are hidden in our life that the Lord is saying, I want you to cut them away. Okay, not just the sickly things, but things that are dead. All right, I'll just leave that out there about how the Spirit speaks to you right now in this moment on that, about what's dead in your life, that it's just, it's just in the way and it needs to go. <clears throat> and so, so what would happen if we were to remove all of these things, whether it be relationships in our lives or maybe there's sin issues or things you're struggling with and it's time to, this is a dead branch and this thing is in the way and it needs to go, cut them out. You know, it's an interesting story about Jack Welch, uh, the CEO of uh, GE, many years ago. Um, <clears throat> under his leadership, General Electric, it grew from $26 billion in revenues to $130 billion, And from $14 billion in market value to over $410 billion, um, <clears throat> making it the most valuable company in the world at the time. One, he had a criteria of four standards when he came on board. And, he, and one of the standards that he had, and this is what he did, it, 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 it doesn't sit well, but it, this is what he did. <clears throat> Every year, GE would fire the bottom 10% of the workforce. Wow. Okay, just 10%, you're gone, you're out of here. And, and that, had an, uh, that was not good. Uh, 
it, it earned him the name Neutron Jack as over 100,000 people were laid off during his tenure. That's a, that's a lot of people. There's a lot of impacted homes and lives. Wow. And so the principle, it goes on to say, of firing the bottom 10%, it had a nev- negative impact on the image in a lot of people's minds. However, I want you to think about it in our lives personally. It illustrates uh, many components of pruning. There are things in our life that are dragging us down that need to go. Can you say amen? So in conclusion, how God prunes us, why he prunes us, because he loves us. But here's the thing. We are to live our life with the end in mind. Can I get an amen? And, and why is it? Because I heard this statement. I thought it was good. You're not remembered by your entrance, but by your exit. Isn't that right? Stay with me if you would, please. <clears throat> Each person is God designed for incredible beauty and potential, abundance. Just as the rose bush, like our own lives, we need, we need care, attention, careful pruning. This is something that God is committed to do in each and every one of our lives, but we have a part to play. God is not going to just do everything. All right, well, God delivered me of everything. We have a part to play. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> and so, and so as you, you look over the landscape of your life and at times where your life may seem it's crazy, <clears throat> but it's a beautiful life, I want you to think about the habits, your relationships, jobs, and commitments, and I want you to ask yourself these questions. What am I trying to achieve? What is good but it's not best in my life? What is sick, but's not getting better? <clears throat> what is long since dead that needs to be cut out? Every head bowed, please. <clears throat> Someone once said, endings are hard, but they are necessary. God prunes us because he loves us, church. Let's kind of end with a story here, a true story. <clears throat> During the Great Depression, it says that as this good man, he lost his job. He was a he exhausted his savings and he forfeited his home. His grief was multiplied by the sudden death of his young wife. The only thing he had left was his faith. One day as he combed the neighborhood looking for work, he stopped to watch as men did stonework on a church building. One was skillfully chiseling a triangular piece of rock. Not seeing a spot where it would fit, he asked, where are you going to put that? The man pointed toward the top of the building and he said, see that little opening up there near the spire? That's where it's going. And the mason said, I'm shaping it down here so it will fit up there. Tears filled the hurting man's eyes as he walked away thinking of these words. Shaping it down here so it will fit up there. Church, God has more of a plan for your life than just this life. He has something eternal will be about. Hallelujah. With every head bowed, you're here this morning, say, Pastor, I some things that are dead in my life, things that are sick, some good things, but I need help. I need God. I need to come back to the Lord. It's a great day to receive Christ. You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. The Bible says you must be born again. So well, what does that mean? I don't know. You receive Christ in your life. You surrender your life to him. He comes and takes residence. And he now is Lord of your life. If that's you here this morning. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I've got to get right with God. Let's pray corporately. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, 
I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Come in in my life. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. Now take precedence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.